I'm going to share a launch breakdown of the Fall Back in Love with Your Home sale that we just had for Get Organized HQ. I always find it fascinating just to hear how different sales go for different people. I love these kind of launch breakdowns, so I'm going to share the numbers with you. And I also am going to share my insights and kind of what we learned from the launch to see if maybe some of it is a strategy that could apply or could work for your business. Have you ever wondered what it's really like behind the scenes of a multi-seven-figure business? We're talking real deal, unfiltered, non-sugar-coated version. And you'd rather learn from somebody who has sold direct to consumers rather than making all their money telling other people how to do exactly what they did. Well, you're in the right place. I'm Laura, your host of Get Profitable HQ. If I can do this, starting my business as the shyest person I know and running it today with two small kids, hobbies, travel, a chronic illness, and actually a life, then I know anyone can grow a successful business. Tune in each week for value-packed content to help you feel less alone in your journey to grow your business and for practical strategies to help you get to the next level, whether that be to quickly grow revenue and profit or grow slowly and be more efficient and spend less time in your business. All right, so let's start with just a little overview of this particular launch and what it was. This is the second year that we've done this. So we did the very similar sale back in 2023, and we repeated it again for February of 2024. We called it the fallback in your love with your home sale. So it was a Valentine's theme just for fun to give it a little bit of a theme. And this is the style of sale where it lasted for six days and it was a mystery sale, meaning each day of the sale something new was on sale, but you didn't know what it was going to be. So it has that like curiosity factor of you wanting to open your email to see what product is going to be on sale that day. And all the products that are on sale are a pretty decent discount. It's not like here's 10% off, like they're a pretty decent discount. Each of the first five days of the sale, it goes to a product on a sales page and every product has an order bump and an upsell. That's critical to increasing the total dollar value of the sale. And then on the last day of the sale, we brought everything back on sale and everything in our shop was 25% off. So they could get all the deals. And then the five deals that were deeper than 25% off were that same discount on the last day to just have fun and encourage everyone to go crazy shopping and buying whatever they wanted. So that's the structure of the sale. One very big difference between last year and this year is that last year it was an opt-in only sale. So we sent out a couple invites ahead of time to say, hey, put in your email address or click this link if you want to know about the sale. So we were not sending the sale to our entire list. We were only sending it to people who had opted in and said, hey, I want to get this sale. This year, we decided, hey, so when we did the opt-in, we had about six to 7,000. It was increasing a little bit over the week, but on the last day, it went to 6,700 people. This year, since we were sending it to all of our warm subscribers, that was about 157,000 people. So you would think you would sell more by sending it to more people. All right, well, we'll talk about that. So that was a strategy. We also do a similar style sale every Black Friday. We've done it for about three years in a row now. It goes extremely well. We sell more every year in our Black Friday sale just because I think people are in a buying mood. I had wondered when we did this Valentine's sale last year, if we would actually sell more because it's just a quieter time online. Like during Black Friday, people are getting a jillion emails and all of that. But it turned out that we actually made about double 
both years. We made at least double in our Black Friday sale than we did in our Valentine's sale. So that's something to note. Also, something to note is that in 2022, our Black Friday sale was an opt-in only sale. And then just four or five months later in February, the fall back in your love with your home sale in 23 was also an opt-in only sale. This year, our Black Friday sale, we didn't make an opt-in only. We made it to where it, we sent it to everybody. Same with the Valentine's sale. And I just thought I would note that. And one of the reasons why I decided to send it to everyone is it seemed to increase sales a decent bit in our Black Friday sale. So I was hoping it would have the same effect this year of increasing our sales. We also do this in almost every sale that we have, but we certainly did it in this sale. We have a very prominent opt out. So at the top of every email, it said, we only want you to get emails you're excited about. If you don't want to get any more emails about this sale, just click here and and we won't send you any. So we pretty much always have an opt out, but we really make sure on this one that it was very prominent. Uh, We also put at the bottom of the email, I think opt outs are actually really good because if somebody is opting out, it's pretty unlikely that they were going to buy anyway, because they are choosing, they're clicking the button saying, no, I don't want to hear about this sale. And they're doing it in a way that's sending positive signals to the email system. So we're getting even more clicks on our emails, which is helping them go into primary inboxes and things like that, and not bothering people with emails that they don't really care about. And what we personally have found is that people who opt out of one sale, they might buy something in another sale. So we kind of prefer that they opt out rather than unsubscribe. And it does actually help with unsubscribe rates. Our rates on this sale were similar to our rates on any general email that doesn't have anything for sale. So I do think it helps a little bit with that. So people who still want to be on the list can, and they don't have to get those emails. The products that we put in the sale, we try to alternate between quote unquote more expensive products. For that, that means 49 to 97 is our expensive products and cheaper products in the 19 to $29 range. So we like that not every product in the sale is something you're going to have to pay 49 to 97 for, but not every product is really cheap. So we have a range. Now, of course, our upsells are all a little bit more expensive, 49 to $97. So that's how it was set up. And so let's go ahead and dive into how we actually did. This was sent to approximately 160,000 warm subscribers. That means we do not send to people who haven't opened our emails in a while. We're only sending to warms. and. It resulted in $38,000 worth of sales. I will tell you that is probably the lowest sales number we've had when we send something to our entire list like this. This was the lowest. I don't take from that that it means that our business is dying or that the economy is doing badly or anything like that. I think there's a number of factors that contribute to being kind of the lowest that we have when we've launched anyone. And I will get into in the takeaways why I think that was the case and why I'm not actually terribly worried yet. Now, this is where it gets fascinating. Last year, the results were 33,000. So you might on the surface be like, oh, great, you sold 5,000-ish dollars more, you did better. But note that last year, we sent the sale to less than 7,000 people. And this year, it went to 160,000 people. So, yeah. Now, again, in the last sale, the 7-ish thousand people, I'm rounding, the 7,000 people that we sent it to raised their hand and said, hey, I want the sale. They clicked to say that they wanted it. So we were just basically segmenting our list to the most active, most interested buyers. And then this year, we weren't doing that. So we're sending to everyone. So I would never, ever 
expect to even double the sales by doing something that's not an opt-in, but I was expecting them to increase by more than this. So what that tells us is that next year we're going to do an opt-in. And I also think that micro-commitment means something and they're more excited about it. It gives us an excuse to email them and let them know that it's coming. We didn't do as many anticipation emails this time, both because last time we kind of had to because we needed them to opt in and because I've been kind of moving away from doing so many anticipation emails because we've been doing so many sales, like we do a launch about a month. Some of them are very small, like flash sales, and some of them are longer launches that span several days. But because we're doing so many, I just don't think we always need to say, hey, it's coming. And when we did this year, it was like in a PS and an email or a little section of another email. We didn't really do a dedicated email. I wonder if that made a difference as well. The first product that we had for sale was the Get It Done Workshops on day one. That is a, well, let's call it a course. And it's normally in the $200 range. It's 80% off for $49. And it generated about $5,500. That includes the order bumps and the upsells. Day two was our Shelfie Handbook. That is a product that is no longer available. We are retiring it because it's too hard to keep it up to date. So this is the last time we sold it. We did not do any last time messaging because we just want to retire this one quietly. So nobody knew that that was actually their last chance. But that made about $4,000 in revenue. And that one we sold, it's a tiered offer for $19 or $25. So the basic version is $19 and the deluxe is $25. The third day, just like we had in, in the last year, was actually a freebie. So just to make it fun and exciting, we added a freebie in there. I was actually surprised. I thought we would get more people opting into it because it was free. Now, we already had about 9,000 people on our list that already had it. But we had about 3,748 that clicked to opt in, and then they still had to put in their email address. So less than that even opted in. So like I said, I was a little bit surprised about that. And then there was a tripwire on it, and that tripwire resulted in about $2,000 worth of sales. But again, that's not surprising that it was lower because there, there was a lot of hoops to jump through. You had to say, hey, I want this freebie, and then put in your email address, and then be taking the tripwire and choose to buy it. So that was no surprise to me that that was our lowest day. The fourth day was our home headquarters binder. That is a tiered offer where you can get the print it yourself version for $29 or the printed mail to your door version for $84. And in total, that made about $6,000 in sales. And I have something else to say about this. This is embarrassing to admit, but you know what? Mistakes happen to everyone. We discovered much later in the day that we should have, the sale starts at 9 a.m. It was not until 4 p.m. that we realized that the entire day that we'd been selling this, when the email went out at 9 a.m., when the text went out at 1 p.m. saying, hey, you know, you can buy this binder, the printable version, checkout, was in test mode. That meant you couldn't buy it. We didn't realize this. And I, in going back, you know, we identified where the breakdown was and how that happened because, of course, we have, you know, our SOP in place. And it says, make sure, in like all caps, make sure you take the product out of test mode. We've actually never made this mistake before. This was the first time, but it was something that I knew to watch out for because obviously that would be bad if you don't take it out of test mode, then no one can actually buy it. And that's not a good, you know, that's bad. So breakdown occurred because I was supposed to check over all of them and I didn't realize it wasn't out of test mode. And this one, I was like, hey, I don't think I need to check this over because we have sold this exact from this exact checkout many times, so it's good to go. Not realizing that the person who had done it had tried to test it 
and put it in test mode and not taking it out. So now we know that and that's never going to happen again. We're going to like double and triple check. Another thing that we're going to start doing is why did it take us so many hours to realize that it wasn't working? Like, you're probably thinking that, like, uh, weren't people emailing you? Weren't people asking, like, what was going on? Did you notice that you weren't making any sales? So first of all, no, we didn't notice that we weren't making any sales because no one was looking, including myself. Often I might check in, you know, in the middle of the day. My daughter was very, very sick home from school and just needed my full attention. So I wasn't doing anything extra like checking and seeing where our sales were at or anything like that. There was nothing in our procedures that state you need to check sales. You know, you need to check the checkout to see if sales are coming in, you know, so nobody was really watching that. We did not get as many emails as you would think. And I think it's kind of one of those things where when you're checking out, it's a lot of effort to compose an email. Like you got to go back to your email and hit reply or find their email address and try to explain it. And you might think it's just a fluke or it's you or, you know, all sorts of things. It also isn't super duper obvious that it's in test mode. It's not like blasted all over the thing. So I think a couple things that happened is people were putting in their payment information. It just wasn't working. So they weren't even realizing really what was going on. Like, of course, they didn't receive it because it was in test mode. Well, actually, no, they would have. (laughs) So they would have basically gotten it for free. But it was just hard for them to figure out. We did get a few emails. It also took a little bit more time for us to realize. So that's another thing that we were working on is having our person who's answering the emails If anyone has a problem, immediately investigate rather than just saying something like, well, try a different browser. Because as you know, a lot of times it is user error. Like the in-person just, you know, something is weird or wonky or they put a typo in their credit card. There's lots of reasons why a transaction might not work. And so I think one important lesson learned is that anytime someone emails, we don't just assume it's their, you know, something wonky with them or that it's a one-off. We always go and investigate because we've gotten about probably four or five emails before the customer service was like, oh, I think there might actually be something going on. Let's go investigate this. So that's another lesson. And also we're putting into place where 30 minutes to an hour after sales starts, we're going to go check the checkouts and make sure that sales are coming in. So those are some of the things that we're going to do to try to mitigate that situation. And also we lost, I mean, if I had to estimate two to $3,000 in sales from that, but mistakes happen. It happens to everyone. These sales where you have a different product on sale every day, I'm telling you, they are complicated. Like there's a ton of tech set up for them. It's way easier tech-wise. That part of the job is way easier when it's just one product that's on sale for all the days. So those things happen. All right, let's get to day five. This was our best day of the sale. And we sold Organize Your Digital Life product. It's a course. It's $97. And we made $11,000 on it. So that was the best day of the sale. Why was it the best day? Well, I have a few theories. First of all, our Organize Your Digital Life product just sells well. I think it's something that almost everyone on our list is pretty interested in, and there's not as much competition for that product, and it covers a lot of things, and for some reason, it just sells really well. I will also tell you that it's on an ugly sales page. Uh, Very old branding, not even completely on brand, to be honest. It was like we used kind of a hybrid of some template and our branding just nothing, nothing like our current branding, not nearly as modern, much sloppier, not nearly as clean. Like, I'll just be honest, I call it ugly, but it sells. So we haven't changed it. So lesson there, time and time again, is we can tend to assume that the most beautiful looking sales pages are going to sell better. That is not necessarily true. The point of a sales page is not for people to look at it and say, "Ooh, that's a beautiful design. The point of a sales page is to sell, get them to click to the checkout. So Sometimes that is better accomplished with a quote unquote uglier design. That said, we do have on our list in the in the shortest time frame that we are going to 
redesign the sales page, have our graphic designer, who she did not design this one, but we're going to have her design it, make it look better, make it look more on brand, make it look more modern and clean and see if that helps. But I'm saving the old one just in case for some reason it doesn't. And something about that old one resonates with people. We've got it in our back pocket to go right back to. Also, I am beginning to believe that a lot of it is there's more pent up demand because we had not featured this. It's an upsell on tons of our products because it does so well. So if you have seen it many times as an upsell, that means you got to purchase the product and then you are given the opportunity to add this onto your order. But only a small percentage ever see that because you have to purchase something to even see it. And even then, you only see it once. Like it's not all in your face. Like you purchase something and then you see, hey, do you want to add this onto your order? And you say yes or no, and you move on with your life and you've only seen it once. We haven't featured this as a standalone product in well over a year, maybe two. And so I think that had a lot to do with it. Like there were just more people who didn't already own it that wanted it. And for all the other products, they some of them were featured in November sale or other standalone sales. And the more we feature a product to the audience, the more people end up having it. And we've already sold it to people in our audience who want it. Also, people like things that are new. And so I think that is one of the reasons why it did well and why it did better than, say, the Get It Done workshops on day one. From that, we are now embracing... We we went through a period where we were trying not to create so many new things and we were trying to optimize what we had. And we are now shifting to, let's create more new things. We're going to make more money, probably faster and easier, by just putting out more new content than we would by continuing to optimize, especially once you've done the most obvious things with optimization, we will be better off. Not every business is like this, but for us, I think we will be far better off by creating more new things. So we're embracing that and we're going to do that going forward. So now whatever we might put in our sale next year might be something that we've only launched once and they haven't seen as many times and they might still want that item. But again, this is how it works with my business and my audience and low ticket offers. I realize it's could be pretty different for people who maybe you have a different type of business, you have a higher ticket item, and it's more of a signature course that people start dreaming about. But that's not really the way we do things. Our last day where everything was back on sale in the shop generated $8,600. So that was our second highest day. So those were our results. Let's talk about a few more things that we learned from this particular sale. So I already mentioned that we are planning to do it as an opt-in sale next year. Uh, I think we'll still do our Black Friday sale as a non-opt-in, but this one will definitely be an opt-in sale. I actually think that will have the same results sending to fewer people. Also, it doesn't waste as much of our selling power because now we've done a launch where we sent them six emails and two on the last day. And so we had to take our next launch and it's only going to be more of a flash sale because I don't think we have enough bandwidth to do full launches every single month. And by bandwidth, I don't mean in terms of us literally having time to do it. I mean, in terms of our audience not feeling sold too much, you know, you've, you've got to hit that that happy medium. And so I think that had we done it as an opt-in sale, we still could have in a month come and done another proper launch because the people who opted in were raising their hands and saying they wanted it. But now I think we have to shorten our next sale because we just did a full launch and that will generate slightly worse results in our next sale because we can't make it quite as intense as we would have. Again, like I just talked about, last year's sale, the home headquarters binder was the thing that made like $15,000, literally more than the highest day in this sale being sent to only $7,000 versus $160,000. So, wow. And the reason is, that is the first time anyone had seen the home headquarters binder 
on our email list. We had been selling it strictly on ads. It was a product we created for ads, and we hadn't really had a chance to sell it to our own audience yet. And so that is why. That is that is absolutely why it was brand new. They hadn't really seen it. And even though we excluded a lot of people who already owned it, who had come in on it from ads, but there was a ton of people in our audience who hadn't seen it. So we are this is reinforcing the plan that we had already had in our mind that we need to start increasing the number of times every year that we put out new products and we need to make new products faster. We also learned that ugly sales pages can do well. We also saw very much a spike in sales right when we sent out the email and right when we sent out the text. So we know those are effective. Text marketing is effective. Obviously, we have a lot of people on our email list that are not signed up for text messages because it's a lot bigger ask for someone to give you their phone number. That's fine. And you'll never get you know everyone on your list signed up for text messages. We have about 15,000 people on our text list. And with our text list, they can't really opt out. Just because it's not because I don't want them to be able to opt out. It's just because I don't have a good, easy way for them to opt out. I also have worked really hard to integrate our email service provider convert kit. That, that, and that's kind of like our master of knowing who has what product and all of that with our texting service, which is slick text. But it's very hard and cumbersome. And we're not as deeply integrated as I would like to be. There's no direct integration. You have to go through Zapier. It's pretty time consuming to set them up. They've also Zapier or not Zapier, Slick Text limits the number of custom fields we can have. They kind of indicated to me when they were trying to get me to stay with them instead of go to another texting company that they could increase the number of custom fields. But once I signed the year long contract with them and then we're like, hey, can you do that for me? They're like, oh, actually, our development said we couldn't do it. So that's a little bit frustrating. So I'm limited in how up-to-date I can keep it, meaning I cannot have a record in Slick Text of everything. I can't have a record of who owns every product. For example, I'm not sending a text to someone who owns that product. I do get around it a little bit. I also, you know, we're not tracking who's opting out of the emails and opting them out of the text. Texts are really not like emails like where we can just, technically, you could probably have a text where they could click to opt out, but they can only be 160 characters. That includes the hyperlink. We do shorten the links, of course, as short as we can, but there's just not enough room in the text to say, hey, would you like to buy this? You know, this product is on sale. Buy it. Here's the link. Oh, and by the way, if you want to opt out of getting the text for just this sale and not everything else, click here. Like that's just doesn't fit in the text. So we do send to everyone. My other reasoning is texts are really, really expensive compared to sending emails. So when I send emails, Literally, I am paying ConvertKit, my email service provider, for the number of people, subscribers that I have. I could send 12 emails a day or I could send one email a month and it would cost the same. So it's not really costing me when I send. Texts are not like that. Text cost you for every single send and they cost you in the neighborhood of, like when I first signed up, it was three cents. I've ne- through negotiations and higher volumes and all of that. I think we are now around two cents or a little bit less. That adds up a lot. Every time we send a text, I think it's about $300 that we spend. So if somebody doesn't want to be on our text list, I don't want them to be on there. I want them to reply, stop and get off. So that's another reason why I am not as worried with texts about giving them opt-out opportunities. Also, we do send a text every day for a a sale like this where there's something new on sale every day. That's kind of like an excuse to text. On other sales, like if we did a launch that was one product that was six days long, we would only send one to three. One on the first day when it's open, one on the last day saying last chance. And sometimes if the sale is long enough, we will send one content text in the middle saying like, hey, go watch this YouTube video, but it has something to do and it's very more indirectly selling the product. So that's kind of how we do that. 
We don't send every single day. And we also send periodic texts just to keep them engaged, just like our email list. Like, we don't want them to never hear from us for like eight weeks. And then we send them saying, hey, buy this. Instead, we're sending every week to every other week a piece of free content to them on the text list to try to make sure that they stay engaged. As far as the results that we can see from our text from Google Analytics, we're able to sort of see the sales that we made. It's far from perfect. There's a lot that it misses. It's a little bit possible for it to double count in some cases. It's a little bit hard for us to tell, for example, if someone bought the order bump or the upsell. So it's not perfect, but we were able to see that almost every text generated, with the exception of one of the days, definitely generated more revenue than it cost us in the text. So they are definitely worth it. And I I think we definitely get more sales than we would just sending emails because people really see the text. And we also time it to where the email goes out at nine and the text goes out at one. So you might see it, you know, in the morning, you're like, "Ah, I kind of want that. And then when you see the text, you're like, oh, yeah. I got to remember to do that. So I think the text messaging was effective. As far as other avenues of selling, we don't believe much else did anything else. We did post on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook. However, here's the deal with Instagram. We have not been doing a phenomenal job of keeping up with our posting plan on Instagram just in general. So if what you do is you post a couple times in a month and then you show up with a sale and you post every day of the sale, People aren't going to buy very well, but it's not because your posts for the sale are necessarily bad at all. It's just because the results you have are more about what you did before. It's kind of like saying the results of this sale are more about what we did before to build up our email list, not so much what we did just during the sale. So that's something to keep in mind. And we also are planning to start improving our posting on Instagram in general in hopes that when we do have a sale, we have better results because we've been nurturing that audience and engaging with them giving them helpful content on an ongoing basis. And we're not just showing up to say, hey, we have this thing for sale. You might want to buy it. And also, I think the other reason why it's really important to be creating consistent content is so that you know what works. So like we put out some content for the sale, but we haven't put out enough content to even know what type of content actually is effective and resonates with our audience. We're not that good at creating it because we haven't done a lot of it. Whereas with email, because we send emails a lot, We know what to put in an email that's going to be effective, but we don't really know that on Instagram. And so that's why I don't know that we got any sales. I think we got none. And we got very low engagement on our posts and all the promotion on Instagram and the sales. So social just was not a big player in this sale. Like it's really never been a big player in any of our sales. And we did not run any paid ads for the sale. It's just hard to run a paid ad for a sale where the thing is only on sale for one day. It's not really worth the trouble, I don't think. So there was no paid ad. So that's a good thing is that we didn't really you don't have to spend anything on advertising for the sale. It was more like a lot of this is more gravy, I would say. And really, it helps us cover our general keep the lights on operating expenses for the month. When you combine the launches with what we get out of our membership, that is usually enough every month to just barely keep the lights on. Now, when we launch our next launch, I'm very hopeful that we'll make more money and generate some actual profit, not just to keep the lights on, but an actual profit for us as well. So I hope you enjoyed that launch breakdown. I would love to hear from you. Is this the type of episode that you like and you want to see me doing more of? Or is there another type of episode you prefer? Let me know because I'm definitely going to take your thoughts into consideration on what you enjoy hearing. Stay tuned because next week I am going to be sharing one of the episodes that I am most excited to share that I think every entrepreneur most needs to hear. So you don't want to miss that one. So make sure you are subscribed. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Get Profitable HQ. If you did, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your business besties, and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. And if you love this, 
and can't wait to get more. I have an entire bank of resources and more behind the scenes info at getprofitablehq.com. Go ahead and head there.